Excellent. Welcome. Welcome to our first episode of our podcast. Too Scared to Sleep. Too Scared to Sleep. We are your hosts, Dylan Cadenhead and Jake Cantu. I'm Dylan. I'm Jake. And we are joined by our producer, Annabelle. Say hi, Annabelle. Hey. Annabelle is the best. She is the best. That precious little possum. A precious little possum, yes. So the reason that we're doing a podcast is because Dylan and I and Annabelle, we all work at the same retail store, which is why we hate humanity so much. The retail store that we work at happens to be haunted, and that's an episode in and of itself. But because of that, we started to trade paranormal stories and ghost stories back and forth for a couple of months and realized that we were just so interested in it. And Dylan and I would talk about it every chance we got. And then eventually we started talking about putting together our own podcast, but it was all very conceptual. We had no idea what we were going to do. We had no equipment. And then just out of nowhere, Annabelle just came into our lives and had some equipment that we could use, had access to the equipment. Um, turns out that she is a producer extraordinaire. And so really just, it went from being a pipe dream to being a reality, which is where we are right now. I know, we're here. Annabelle is really just a gift. She's just the absolute best. She's our precious little possum. Our precious little possum. So easily excitable, so easily scared, which is why we call her possum. But anyway, so yeah. We really enjoy um, paranormal stuff. We have lots of paranormal stories from our own families, from our own childhood. We have gone to haunted places. We want to learn more about haunted places. We want to learn more about conspiracy theories, and we want to impart that knowledge to you through podcast, correct? Absolutely. We're just, we're super into paranormal, true crime, folklore, just, it's all over the place. Creepypasta, cryptids. Absolutely. Conspiracy theories. And we have big hopes for what we're going to do with this podcast Absolutely. later on. We're hoping to be haunted. We're hoping to, like, be afraid, like, running out of a house afraid. My main goal is to die and then haunt this podcast. Oh and just let my spirit talk to everyone. If you haunt me from the afterlife... Oh, I will. I'm going to be so annoyed. I will it's bad for enough. sure haunt it's you. It's bad enough that, you know, we talk to each other all the time. We it do. It seems that way. We do. Yeah. I can't think of anything else to say. I guess we should just start in on the stories, right? All right. So, you want to go first? I suppose I will go first. All right, excellent. Let me, uh, let me tell you a tale. Oh, my God. Let me, let me learn you something. Oh, boy. Here we go. And I'm going to learn you about... Madame Delphine Lalaurie. Oh my god. Yes, okay, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So, a lot of people know of her, at least through American Horror Story Coven. Yeah, it was Coven. Right. And she was Set in New Orleans, yes. Yeah, which is where she was in real life. New Orleans is super cool and super haunted. There will be much more about New Orleans later. Of course. But Delphine Lalaurie in American Horror Story Coven was actually super toned down. Like, she was pretty screwed up in that show anyway, but they it's, it's so much worse. Truth is stranger than fiction. Absolutely. Truth is more horrible. Oh, without a doubt. It is just atrocious. So we are in for a wild pilot episode. Let's start with a little bit of background on Delphine LaLaurie. She was actually born Delphine McCarty in 1780 in New Orleans, she was a second generation of a white Creole family that moved from Ireland into Louisiana. She has five children. Well, had. She's dead now. She had five children from three different husbands, the first two of which died under, quote, mysterious circumstances. I was about to ask if she'd murder her husbands. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So she stayed in French New Orleans 
and if you're looking for the address, I believe it's still up there. Like people have uh, Lollary tours and stuff. It's at 1140 Royal Street. When she got it, it was a two-story house with an expansive attic. She bought that in 1831, and for what, like $18? <laughs> Probably. It's ridiculous. I love inflation. I and three it. beaded necklaces. For 11 goats. There you go. And 12 goats. slaves. Oh, no, she would not have given them up. <laughs> no, she's got and better he... plans for the slaves, doesn't she? Oh, she does. It's You're in for a treat. God. So her third husband was a surgeon named Leonard Lalaurie, and he was from a wealthy French family, which is why she could afford to buy this, you know, extravagant two-story house okay so she was really well known for throwing like cocktail parties for the like upper echelon of society so she's high society yeah just a real high class gal and on the outside like in public she was super nice and kind to her slaves and everybody was like wow what a what a gal she's she's not so bad that delphine lalaurie right like all good all good sociopaths and psychopaths they yeah she puts on a good front mm-hmm Now's the point when we can just uh, jump right into the mess. Okay. So what was really happening in the house? What was really happening? And it's a doozy. So the one of the more popular stories, one of the fucked up stories, was a 12-year-old slave girl that Lalaurie had. And she had a, quite a few different slaves. But this one was brushing Lalaurie's hair. And she pulled too hard on it, and it pulled some of her hair she ran away because Delphine was just furious. She was so crazy that just for pulling her hair while brushing it, Delphine chased her around the house with a whip trying to whip her to death. And the little girl ended up throwing herself off of the roof of the house to her death just to avoid having to deal with Lollerie anymore. If that gives you any, any indication of what a top-notch gal she was. I would rather throw myself off the roof to my death than suffer the punishment. Yeah, for exactly. pulling her hair with a brush. Exactly. It's. I mean, it's not like she killed her dog. She just. <gasps> How dare you? I'm so sorry. So also, sad. I forgot to mention we have a special guest here with us. It's our producer Annabelle's little dog. His name is Papas, and we love him. A little baby. Stop with Papas. The... <laughs> come here. I love him. I love him so much. He loves me too. Look at that. He's all cuddled up with me. He now. loves me more. No, he is he cuddled up with you right now? No. I don't think so. Sweet baby. He could be. No, he loves me more. Yes, you do. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting super off track. Okie dokie. So, obviously, you know, it's kind of hard to hide the death of a 12-year-old girl who's now splattered all over your street. So, when people noticed that, they started being like, oh, that's real weird. That's real spooky. Maybe Lalaurie isn't as good as we thought she was. So, pretty much all the public that knew her started to... Turn against her. Yeah, turn against her. And then come to find out that cook the one that it was another one of her slaves that she kept in the house she kept the cook chained to the oven so that she couldn't go anywhere besides there they only found out about the rest of all the horrible things going on because there was one point in which the cook was just so pissed off that she set fire to the house that was in 1834 they found the majority of the victims there through the firemen that went in to stop everything okay the victims that they found were in that expansive attic that i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. where she would keep the slaves chained up the torture attic 
Oh yeah, it was like really, something out of a Saw movie. Worse. Yeah, it was way worse than a Saw movie. I love the Saw movies, by the way. So when the fire was going, obviously she knew about it and she left. But she left all of her slaves that were up there chained just to let them burn. It's she horrible. did not give a shit. They said when the firemen came in, there was between seven and eleven slaves that were chained up. They were bound by their hands and legs. They were bound by the neck. Then they found the ones that were mutilated. The and trust me, I don't use the term mutilated like here some of them had like their limbs were stretched too far and twisted into weird shapes there were a whole bunch of slaves that were buried under the flooring of the attic so she never removed the dead slaves from the torture attic she just left people there so just bodies and body parts scattered all around so all these living slaves just had to be chilling up there with rotting corpses which i'm sure does wonders for your psyche that's horrible oh yeah no one ever thought to like oh i don't know write a help note and throw it out the window attached to a brick or anything i don't think that there were any windows there i don't think they had any way to get out because they were all chained up bound and put in cages and shit and i mentioned the collars that some of them were trapped with the collars had inward facing spikes mm. so if they moved too much to any direction it was just like needles going into their throats and she would leave the slaves like hanging up there for months sometimes she would literally hang them or just suspend them by their like arms and someone necks. had to have been helping her Unless she was just so physically domineering that she's able to do these things. I don't know. I mean, it, it's pretty wild. She was also super abusive to her daughters. Like, she loved her daughters, but she was super abusive to him. So it's not like they would have helped her. And I don't know what her husband was up to during this time. He was doing surgeon shit, which at the time probably just meant cutting people up and throwing balloons in their lungs. Right. One of the women slaves that they found up there, her mouth was sewn up and it had human and animal shit in her mouth. Human when it, yeah, it was just a variety of shits just put in her mouth and sewn up. Some of the slaves had their intestines removed and wrapped around them like belts or scarves while they were still alive. You know, her husband was a surgeon, so she learned a lot from him. Uh, honey, have you seen my scalpels? Oh, no, I haven't seen them. No, no, Did I Did you check the garage? Did you check the attic? Did no, please don't. Don't check the attic. <laughs> Yeah, so she kept these people alive and threw, like, their intestines around them to look, like, high fashion. Didn't she do, like, a human centipede sort of thing? Yes, I'm about to get to that. Okay, I'm sorry for spoiling it. You should be. That's it. Podcast canceled. Um, okay, so anyway, some of the slaves had their eyes sewn shut and or gouged out entirely. Um, a lot of them had body parts removed. Many of them had the removed body parts attached in new areas. So, you know, like... Take the arms sure? and the legs off and switch them. Those were dead, obviously. There's okay. no way to keep those people alive. I was going to say, are you sure that she wasn't doing it with her husband? Because she... then you would think that if he's a surgeon, he's able to take off someone's arm and put it where the leg goes and vice versa. He may have been helping. I don't know for sure. There's no, like, for sure thing that I was able to find, but I'm probably just stupid. But I don't know. It seemed like it was mostly her, but her husband probably had a hand in this, too. It just It's an expansive project for one gal. That is. That's a lot. For one person, I didn't mean on. to be exclusive. She's pretty busy. How did? How was she able to do any of these cocktail parties when she's busy doing torture porn up in the attic? She's a woman of many talents, to say the least. She's just got so much going on for her. She's really got her life together. She's got her life together. She, she knows where her priorities are. She can take. She can take care of all of it. She's amazing. Exactly. How Re does she a do? Real it? Renaissance woman. Maybe it's Maybelline. Anyway. So yeah, there were bodies that had like arms and legs switched in places. One man had his genitals removed 
and there had been a, quote, crude gender reassignment surgery done to him. And I had mentioned a little earlier that she was abusive to her kids. There was one story in which she found one of her daughters trying to feed one of the slaves, and it wasn't even the attic ones, it was just, like, the ones in the house. The regular guys. Yeah, just the guys who got the good end of the deal but anytime her daughters tried to feed any of the slaves or like be kind to him she would beat her children i'm sure she was rude to the slaves too but she would just beat her children for trying to be nice to these people okay so here's your human centipede thing that you wanted to i want to hear it i love yeah. it I hear oh it. i know you will um it, they actually call it the human caterpillar because the person's arms and legs were removed and then fleshy stumps were sewed together in like circular patterns and sewn onto the side of them to reflect a caterpillar. Oh my god. So it was just one person. It wasn't like human centipeded out. But it, she gave him little she flesh nubs. nubbies. Yes, yeah, nubs. little, little oh nubbies. Oh my god. There was also the human crab, where a woman had her legs and arms broken in multiple places and reset at odd angles to resemble the shape of a crab. That's horrible. It's real bad, yeah. One of the women, she was wrapped up in the human intestines. Others had, and this is... This is one that gets me. Others of them had holes drilled into their skull and wooden rods or spoons were sticking out. She would stick them in there and basically stir up their brains God. like a soup. Horrible. That ugh, that one that one gets to me. I'm not afraid to say that. A lot of them the uh bodies that they found, they had been like obviously cut open and they had their organs rearranged on the inside or just organs that were missing. It was just an absolute hellhole. I mean, it was probably the worst thing any person could imagine having to see. Like, can you imagine just finding that? You're just going to some lady's house because it's burning down, and that's what you open the door to? So what happened to her after the after the place burned down? I mean, did she run away? Did she have to go into exile? Did she get, like, a $25 fine? Slap let's on the find wrist? out. All right, let's hear it. I'm sorry. I spoiled the story. I'm sorry. You do. You're good at that, but whatever. We'll work on this. Okay, so after the fire, obviously word got out pretty fast about that because, you know, there was no, like, controlling the press or anything like that. So people just showed up mm -hmm. while this house was burning down, and word got out real fast. So an uh, angry mob of close to 4,000 people that ransacked and destroyed the house, they just tore shit up. Like the ending of Mother, like minus the dead oh, baby. It's horrible. You're welcome. So, LaLaurie and her family escaped the fire, and the whereabouts of Delphine LaLaurie were never discussed. So she just vanished into the night. She got away. <clears throat> she got away. Though in the 1930s, an old copper plate was discovered in the St. Louis Cemetery, which claimed that she had died in Paris in 1842. But, I mean, nobody knows that for sure, and her body's still never been found. So, no, I mean, people have looked in Louisiana, they've looked in Paris, they've looked all around. Nobody knows exactly where her body is. Nobody knows what happened to her or her family. They just vanished after this. It's horrible. It really is. She was just... It's she was She was a monster. It's really hard to think that, like, all of these things can actually be done by one human being to another. Because it does. It sounds like a Saw movie or something. It's just atrocious. It really does sound like a Saw movie. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to end this story on a fun fact for you. Excellent. So the house got really messed up when that angry mob showed up, but mm -hmm. 
you know, repairs had been done and it had been passed around by owners. And in 2007, so real recent, Nicolas Cage bought the Lollery House. Of course he did. For $3.45 million. But it was foreclosed and sold again after 2009 when Nick Cage had to declare bankruptcy. God damn it, Nicolas Cage. Get your shit together. Nicolas Cage. I love Nicolas Cage, though, actually. Unpopular opinion, the Ghost Rider movies are phenomenal. No, they're horrible. They're so much fun. No, they're stupid. Shut up. They're so good. so stupid. What was with his fixation on the Carpenters? That meant, that made no sense. And then when he chugs that whole carafe of coffee, I mean, what the hell was that about? Made no he sense. He was a thirsty boy. There's he so much of that about that movie that makes no, absolutely no sense. Okay, well, it's a fun ride. Whatever. That's not what we're here to talk about. No, let's talk we about We will leave that for another episode. Yeah, how bad of a good actor Nicolas Cage is. How great. Nobody wants to hear that. Everyone loves Nicolas Cage. No, that's everybody a, loves to That's a known Nicolas fact. Cage. The earth is round, Tupac is alive, and everyone loves Nicolas Cage. These are facts. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, Nicolas Cage can... No, that's okay. All right, so my topic is a huge topic, and I'm just going to go ahead and come out and say it. We're going to talk about alien abduction. Yes! The problem is... Not the problem, but the best part about it is that alien abduction is such a multifaceted topic that we could literally spend episode after episode after hour after hour sharing different aspects of alien abduction nobody's everybody's experience is different there are this it just goes on and on and on like i said it's just so multifaceted there are people who have had alien contact where they saw gray aliens and you know the typical thing i woke up in the middle of the night and somebody was in my room and i flew out of my room up into the thing and then i was abducted and they probed me and they did this Uh, and then there's other people exactly and then there's other people who met who have met beautiful races that look like the perfect ideal of human of of what a human being should be and i was taken up into this plasma ship and i was and they they revealed the secrets of the universe to me there's just so much prophesied yes and then there's the whole aspect of 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 the alien um of the alien mythos that has to do with government conspiracies and the governments know about what's happening and they have this technology and they're not sharing this technology with us and we have the ability to you know we have the ability to have these ships that go supersonic speeds and you know we have the ability for interstellar travel and then you just go back through all these different cultures there's all sorts of cultures dating all the way back past ancient egypt where you can see it in hieroglyphs you can see it in writings you can see it in fresco paintings from the renaissance period where you see alien ships you see extraterrestrials represented all over the place in art in literature in oral history and all of that stuff so it's been around for so long there's so many aspects of it the one thing i want to talk about today is one of my favorites it's whitley striver now whitley striver is uh is just one guy he's actually from san antonio and i forgot to mention that we're, we're coming to you we're coming to you from um just right around san antonio we live between san antonio and austin that's where we are so this, so this guy is close to home yeah this is this guy is close to home I he love was it. he was a celebrated author and and the the reason that the reason that this one always it always stands out for me is because he wrote a book back in 1986-87 and it was called Communion and the book was all about his experience. He he writes about an experience at um, right around Christmas time in 1985 when he was abducted and it was the first time that he remembered being abducted. But from then his life really changed and and understandably so yes so. <laughs> un- understandably so. So if you ever, if you've never read this book, if you've never seen the, the cover of this book, 
it is really jarring. And the thing about this book is that it was a New York Times bestseller book. He promoted, they, they promoted the hell out of this book. And uh, if you go to our Instagram, you can see that I have a photo of Whitley Stryber posted. And then if you scroll, it's one of those two-parter photos. The second photo is a picture of the, of the, the cover of the book. And it depicts what we would consider a traditional gray alien. Um, but he spent time with the auth, with the artist, getting the getting the picture exactly right from the one alien that he had that he had basically had a close relationship with. Every time that he got abducted, he saw this particular alien. It was like his handler. It was more than once that he saw the same one. And yes, exactly. It was more was than abducted. once. There's That's just so much horrifying. to it. So the thing about Willie Stryber was he was already a celebrated fiction author um, when he was abducted in 1985. He had written at least six books, possibly seven at this point, fiction books, and two of these books had already been turned into major Hollywood movies. One of them stars David Bowie, which is just great. We love David Bowie. Uh, who doesn't, who doesn't? love David Bowie? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So he had written all of these books, and then he comes out, and he decides instead of writing fiction, he's going to write what he considers a nonfiction story. And he writes it as, you know, and he writes it because he says in the preface of the book, this happened to me, and I experienced this, and for me, this is true. And I believe it is true, because why else would somebody tell this kind of story? And I mean, it's very scary. It really is scary to listen to it. And if you read the book, but all you have to do is, is type in, you know, Google communion PDF format, and you can find a copy of this book and start reading it. Within the first 10 to 15 pages, he starts to describe his experience of being abducted. He don't waste no time at all. He, he just wastes jumps absolutely right no it. time oh to describe gosh. it. And oh, to give yes. you just a brief synopsis of what happened to him, um, he talks about how it was Christmas time, 1985. They had they'd had Christmas dinner, and he went to bed. There was a full moon outside, and he's laying in bed, second floor, second story of his house. And he thinks he hears something like a commotion downstairs, kind of like a whooshing sound. And he doesn't, you know, he kind of sits up in bed and he thinks about it. But he had he had set the alarm. He had uh, motion sensor lights outside the house. He had, you know, a vibration sensors on the windows, sensors on the doors. So in his mind, he thought, okay, well, none of these alarms are going off. It must be nothing. It's just nothing. And then he tries to go back to sleep. But then he notices that something comes into his room. Oh, no. Not about it. I know. Oh, right? Yeah. Just nope the fuck out. I would jump. It's time to jump out the window. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Just the worst thing. And, you know, his mind couldn't quite comprehend what was coming into the room. That's so much worse. But it, it was one of those gray aliens coming into the room. And then, you know, he's just, at some point, he is just paralyzed with terror. And then it comes across the room puts something up to his temple and he just blacks out and the next thing you know he's on a ship and he's being you know he's he's being handled by these aliens and then he doesn't have any clothes on they're all moving around him and they're setting up this apparatus and this it's at this point where he sees another alien standing off to the side because the grays that he saw and he describes are very small but that there was one off to the side his handler, who looked more what the cover of the book looks like. And the cover of the book looks like the typical gray alien, but it's very flesh tone, mm -hmm. and it's weird. That makes it so much weirder. Yeah. Also, real quick, I looked up the cover of the book and found that apparently Communion got turned into a movie with Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, another great... Yes, it did. I, wa I remember watching that movie. I don't know if it's any good or not, but I found it, and it's I'm not, interested. It's not great, but it's not horrible. I mean, you know, it's not like it's Nicolas Cage. Okay, that was mean. It that could was have been a low worse. Blow. It could have been Nicolas Cage. Um, like this. Yeah. So when Communion came out, I mean, they went on a great, uh, a great book tour, and he was on. You know, he was booked on late night television, talking about this experience. You know, he was up there in this in the spaceship, and he's just he remembers 
that his handler, the larger of the aliens, came up to him at some point and spoke to him telepathically, asking him, what can we do to get you to stop screaming? Oh my God, that's horrible. Which is that's... just horrible. Oh, he's just terrified that. and he's screaming. You know, they... they they did all of the they did all the regular stuff. They had him on a table, and he didn't have any clothes on. And at one point, they're about to put you know the thing up to his his head again, some sort of instrument, and he was very scared about it. But this is where that story comes from. There's there's an aspect to his story that he just goes go he puts it out there when he writes this book. They they probed him anally. Oh God! At one point, why why is it always anal probing? I know, and it's horrible. What is to be gained from that? And the reason that I bring it up is not to make fun of him. Um, the reason that I bring it up is because he just puts it out there in this book and he doesn't he doesn't apologize for it he doesn't he doesn't try to hide it it's becomes it's become one of those anecdotes that people talk about all the time it becomes one of those jokes that people make about being abducted by aliens oh did they give you the anal probe but it comes from experiences like this and when I think about Willie Stryber uh, what lays what what gives credence to his story to me is the fact that he went ahead and said that. He didn't necessarily have to. I mean, he was a fiction author at the time, so if he really wanted to tell the story, he could have told the story and said, oh, I just made it up. I interviewed abductees. This didn't really happen to me. But and to he put could it just... out there that, like, I was abducted and I had weird alien machines put into my asshole. Yes, exactly. Oh, I mean, my God. He doesn't mind saying that he was raped by the aliens. And you were right. It does get made fun of a lot, and there's a lot of, like, anal probing jokes and stuff. But that's actually just a, a terrifying thought. Right. I hate it. I hate right. it so much. But then as, as you learn more about uh, about the abductee experience, you realize that that's just the tip of the iceberg, that other people have experiences like that. Other people have been, you know, other people have had next generation technology inserted into themselves yeah. by the aliens, you know, and they, they say, oh, I have an implant. It's in my skull. I remember them putting it in my skull. Or I remember, you know, them putting an implant in my foot and then I had it removed after a while and then I got sick. And all these crazy things happen to these people over and over again it's, it's just, just horrible wild. it is um the thing about whitley stryber you know trying to get back on track sorry whitley stryber decided at one point after he had consulted with a physical doctor and the physical doctor said yes you do have trauma it looks like you've been raped oh my god um he had psychological trauma as well Understandable. he was he was experiencing ptsd which is another one of those um hallmark abductee indicators you know the hypervigilance the irritability the exaggerated startle response those are all hallmarks of ptsd and he was having those things he had bought a shotgun he had it he had it in his in his cabin in upstate new york which is where the experiences happened where he'd been abducted and he had that super elaborate security system set up at the house because he just felt like maybe something was there. And he talked about the hypervigilance, too, when he talks about it. He said, I would check all the doors and the windows multiple times during the night to try to make sure that they were there because I was afraid of somebody coming into the home. And after he was abducted, another one of those hallmark abductee experiences is that he had a screen memory. And the screen memory was of an owl. Oh, my God, the owls. I know, the owls. And we could just go on and on about oh, the owls, Oh, it's always too. the owls. Yes, we'll do a whole episode just about how owls will fuck you up. Good. But he was convinced somehow, and he asked his wife about it. He said, I think there was an owl downstairs last night. And his wife was like, no, there wasn't an owl. And then he went outside, and he looked on. He tried to look onto the roof of the house to see if there were any owl tracks, and it was just there. And if you don't know what a screen memory is, just to give you a short synopsis, according to alien abductees, when you are abducted, um, sometimes 
they will put a screen memory into your mind to tell you, oh, well, you saw a gray and there were grays in your room, but we're going to take that memory and give you a normal memory. And the normal memory is of an owl. And so you'll have, you'll have people say, oh, I saw an owl outside my window. Or I was driving down the road and I saw an owl in front of my car. And then I blacked out. And three hours later, I, I, I came to and I was in the driveway of my house and I don't know how I got there. Spoiler alert, it was not an owl. It was not an owl. It never is an owl. No, sometimes it actually is an owl. But for these guys, there was no owl. And it's just so scary. It's so scary to think about the fact that that could happen to you. At some point, Whitley Stryber, uh, trying to make sense of what went on with his experiences, decided that he would go and have regression hypnotherapy, which is where he got most of the details of his of his abduction experiences. And it wasn't, um, it was through this regression hyp hypnotherapy that he realized that he had been abducted multiple times throughout his life. Oh my god. He had seen UFOs, or he had seen aliens multiple times in his life. Not only that, but his son had been abducted as well. And what's worse is that his wife had had been part of the abductee experience as well. When she went through regression hypnotherapy, it turned out that she was aware of what was happening in the room when these greys would come and abduct her husband. So she didn't get abducted, but she knew everything that was going on. Yes, she they saw had, what happened. They had basically they had basically implanted thoughts into her mind of you're going to stay in bed, you're not going to move, you're not going to open your eyes, even though she could hear them shuffling around the room. She could hear her husband uh, fighting. That's you know? absolutely horrible. It's like sleep paralysis. It's like sleep paralysis. Aliens. And not only that, but they had implanted her with this with this idea or these thoughts that later on she would try to give her husband rational explanations for these irrational fears that he was having or for these like when he would say oh did you hear a, did you hear that sound last night she would say oh no i didn't hear that sound so they just made her explain it all away yes exactly it was her job to explain it all away with not only not only her but their son as well oh no and that's another one of those hallmark abductee moments or, you know, one of those those common denominators is that there's a generational aspect to it where if you were abducted, there's a chance that your father or your grandfather or your mother also was abducted or saw UFOs and it goes on and on and on. And it's just... I, I find I find the alien I find the extraterrestrials and the alien abductee experiences so fascinating for so many reasons. Yeah, because it's weird, and I mean it's really fascinating in general, but also it's fascinating to see that like there are so many experiences that sound so similar and so different at the same time. The thing that the thing that always uh, strikes me as strange or as interesting is the idea of I, I want to call it I guess I'm going to trademark it as the multiple scientist theory when it comes to when it comes to aliens, we, we seem to think that it's always the same, let's say, the same dozen gray aliens abducting everyone off of this one planet and performing all the same experiments on everybody and dropping them off. But that's ridiculous. That would be like, to believe that is, is the same as believing that Santa Claus somehow visits every house for and delivers gifts for every child. Another spoiler alert, Santa's one, not real. Exactly. One night out of the year, all the way through. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to think we live in a vast, expanding universe with infinite space so many civilizations could be out there different civilizations with different levels of technology we could have these people you know some of these people are highly advanced scientists who are probably coming to our planet as part of a as part of a grant and they're trying to get a certain level of information and they're authorized to experiment on x number of humans in order to you know in order to define their goals 
And then there's other guys who are like joyriding and they're like, hey, let's go fuck with some humans. You know, let's go let's go anal probe some guys. I feel like that would be us as aliens. I would hope I would hope not. Well, not the anal probing. I just mean the joyriding. Right. I have no desire to anal probe aliens. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go Mach 9 and watch this guy's <laughs> eyes fall out of his face. <laughs> and then we'll put him back in his house after he's pissed himself. Because yeah, it'll be, be fun. Me. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's horrible. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, humans do horrible things to each other all the time. At Delphine so Lullaby. why why would why would aliens from another planet be any different than us? Uh, something else that always strikes me about the alien experience is the fact, and and again, of course, the multiple scientist theory is that here on this planet, even on our Earth, we do this to animals all the time. You know, here in Central Texas, we have white-tailed deer, and they are everywhere. They're just they're they're oh, such I a know. nuisance. They're they're worse than stray cats in the city that we live in. There are literally white-tailed deer in every park. They're in people's front yards, they're in people's backyards. Oh yeah. You can't get rid of them. They'll they'll be asleep in your in your front yard as you're bringing your trash to the street. Yeah. You have, have to sometimes you have to like swerve around them going through your neighborhood. Cuz they just don't move. They and just they stop don't. and look at they you. Don't like, give a you're shit. the asshole. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm the asshole for trying to drive down the street. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, have, I didn't I, realize that this was your area. Yeah. I have a friend that lives like about an hour away it near canyon lake and in canyon lake they're all over the place yes they it's are. ridiculous yes they are especially at night i have to go so slow passing yeah. around there right. but let's consider that a scientist might come along in a car and stalk a deer into its natural habitat and then anal probe it no <laughs> let me finish <laughs> they stalk this deer they will tranquilize this deer and then they will go to it and perform any kind of experiment they might give it a biopsy. They might give it a shot. They might put a ta- tracker on it, a tracker collar, or just a tag on its ear, or something like that, and then leave it there and just leave the scene and wait for it to wake up on its own, and never explain to the deer, "Hey, this is what we did, and this is why we did it." And that's another thing that I like looking at is that in your example, there would be no way of the human explaining to the deer what's going exactly. on. The deer can't comprehend exactly. it. So that's kind of the spooky thing about what aliens are doing because we might be the deer and we have absolutely no way of comprehending. And they have no way of communicating it to us because a white-tailed deer does not have language like a human being does. Even though we're both, you know, we're both mammals, we're both vertebrates, there are there are similarities between ourselves and deer. We both have two arms and two legs and, and you I know, mean, we're on the same planet. We interact with these things all yes, the time. But they communicate so through how... body movements and pheromones, or tail wags and ears back and forth and we communicate with language and speech and bluetooth and yeah. you know instant messaging so imagine how different it must be for something that's not even on the same planet exactly exactly and uh, that's something else that Whitley Stryber says is that when he would try to communicate with the greys he remembers at one point he tried to smile at the greys and oh, it just freaked them out the way that he said it in one of his interviews was they had to slow their thinking down so much just to try to communicate with us and again like i said between it and you know if you look at a white-tailed deer you say oh no we're nothing like a white-tailed deer but we are two eyes two arms two legs a nose you know those are those are some of the similarities and at the same time if you look at a gray alien the typical gray alien we have plenty of similarities to them and what's to say that in ten thousand years from now or five hundred thousand years from now we haven't evolved to the point where we look like grays yeah they could just be us from the future 
future. They could be us from the future. They very well could be. I don't know. There's so many that's unanswered little, questions. I know. That's a little conspiracy theoristy. Right. But I like the multiple scientist theory. Where yeah. it's like, there's no, you know, it's no wonder that we have, that there's so many different abductees and they have so many different experiences because there's so many other people out there. Mm-hmm. A, a thousand different alien races and they could be coming to Earth for all kinds of different reasons. Some of them for, you know, beneficial reasons and some of them for malevolent reasons and some of them just to get their jollies by like invader zim it's just pure dumb luck they just shot out in one direction in space and this is where they landed mm-hmm. i'm like hey we're dry we're cruising by and we saw that you guys you know detonated an atomic bomb let's go fuck with those guys yeah because they're idiots so that's where it is that's whitley schreiber his story is his story goes on and on he's written more and more books about it he's written so many more books about his experiences with what he calls the visitors and they're out there to read and to experience he has a podcast he goes to ufo conferences all the time and speaks all of this stuff is on youtube his own youtube page his own podcast and all that stuff it's very easy to find all of that all of it because it's all out there was he also the one that fire in the sky came from no that's a different guy okay i get people mixed up there's so many those guys were loggers those guys were loggers Oh, okay. I remember watching that movie. It was a pretty good movie. It was very frightening. I've always been very frightened of the whole alien abduction experience. But one of the things that really stopped those fears was reading Communion, actually, because I realized, and then doing some uh, doing some research and watching some documentaries of that generational item and just trying to ask my dad, have you ever seen a UFO? Have you ever been abducted? Well, no, he hasn't, because he probably would have already told me those stories. So I'm like, well, if he hasn't, then I haven't, probably. I mean, that doesn't mean that you're not, I mean, that doesn't mean that you're safe. It's a generational thing, but it's got to start somewhere. Oh my god! Maybe you're maybe you're damning your kids to an eternity of alien abduction. Listen, if I wake up and I am on a if I'm on a slab completely naked, I am going to make myself known and communicate and make them pick you up because I know where you live. That's so mean. <laughs> yeah, but also please do. I'm gonna say let's go over here because this guy really wants to get probed. This guy got some information for you. This I'll guy has you. got some information from you and you can get it through his anus. No, not again. Not again. Please don't do this to me. Alright, so we're really uh, excited that you're listening to us. If there's anyone listening. If there's anyone listening, except like, you know, three of our friends. Please listen. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Our Instagram is called Too Scared Podcast. Facebook is called Too Scared to Sleep as well. And we are going to be setting up a YouTube channel and just posting like probably our logo with the audio behind it. And we are figuring out where we're going to post this. But we will put that information out on Instagram and on facebook and however else we can communicate where it's at to you guys right we are looking for people um between austin and san antonio who have experiences of any kind of experience please we have uh we have a gmail account too scared podcast at gmail.com if you want to write us a little note about your experience we would love to talk to you we would love to skype with you if you have a haunted house that is close we would love to come and hang out with you. Oh, yeah. And experience hotels, those things. Haunted houses. And, you know, even if you're not in the area, you can still email us or, you know, send us messages on Instagram or something as long as we're not being flooded with those. But, I mean, if anybody has any sort of paranormal stories or true crime stories or anything that you want us to talk about if you have suggestions or whatever let us know we want to know all of this stuff yes and we've got a lot of ideas but you know we know that the rest of the world has really good ones too that we haven't even heard about and we want to do as much as we can we would love if you could scare us yes please absolutely horrify me to be terrified by your stories 
I want to know about your alien abduction experiences or your haunted house or your haunted doll. Speaking of being horrified, you should go watch the movie Hereditary. I'm not going to watch that. Watch movie. that movie. It's I'm so good. Watch movie. It's so good. No, and I'll tell you why. This is why this is so scary because um, I have a wife and I have kids and I have to be the dad who gets up and investigates the noises in the house, even though I don't want to. Because all I want to do is get under the covers because as long as I'm under the blankets, nothing can get to me. But I have to get up in the middle of the night and investigate those noises. Yeah. So I'm not going to put those thoughts in my head. No, you need to put those thoughts in your head. I'm not going to watch that creepy ass movie. You're going to watch it. No matter what you do. I'm I'm going to make you watch it. No, it's okay. Oh, yeah. That's all right. I'll just sage my house and... uh, When in doubt, sage it out. Oh, my God. Yes, I'll sage the shit out of that house. If I have to. So yeah, Instagram is Too Scared Podcast. Facebook is Too Scared to Sleep Podcast. Gmail is Too Scared Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. I think that's about it. I suppose so. I want to thank everybody who is listening for listening. Um, I know the majority of you here in the beginning are just going to be people that we've forced to listen. Absolutely. But we appreciate it anyway. So, Annabelle, anything? Any final words? Final words, Annabelle? Thank you for listening. Excellent. Dylan, any final words? Uh, No, it's off to you. All right. Okay, so from Annabelle, our producer, and Dylan, my co-host, my name is Jake Cantu, and we hope that we have left you too scared to sleep. shit as I am at least I at least I nailed that what's with the alarm oh shit it did it earlier too we have to re-record yes that's it scrap the whole thing that's it we're done we're doing live there's a few parts the dog kept walking oh that's fine that's fine we'll iron these out anyway Annabelle edit that edit it just edit it out just cut it out Annabelle edit that out anyway